everyone, this is Viv, and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. Hey everyone, so today we're talking to my friend Lynette from the Unconscious Bias Project, which is an organization that uses evidence-based approach to fighting barriers of discrimination. I believe this to be a super important topic right now because of all the conversations surrounding racial equity, the ongoing sexism in the world, the current events surrounding hate crimes against East Asian Americans, the intersectionality of it all. There's so much. I mean, the persisting isms of the world, racism, sexism, ableism. I'm honestly out of breath, but I'm super excited to hear about the work of the Unconscious Bias Project on this front and learning about what unconscious bias even means and welcoming Lynette to our podcast. Well, thank you so much, Viv, for that introduction, and I'm really grateful for this chance to to be on your platform. It's really exciting, and, and I'm really grateful for this chance to talk to your listeners, too. So a little bit about myself, Lynette, pronouns uh, she, her. I am uh, originally from Bogota, Colombia, and I grew up in a few different countries, uh, Nigeria, France. Venezuela, and of course, Colombia and the U.S. And as somebody sort of having all of these sort of international experiences and then going through the educational system in the U.S., I went to college in the States and then I went and I did my, my PhD in, in the States as well. I sort of had a lot of experiences around inclusivity. It just It's like a subject that just kept on coming up and coming up for me just throughout my life. So when I was, especially when I was doing my, my PhD, I did my PhD in molecular biology and biochemistry. I thought it was all about sort of what is the most creative question you can think of? What is like the best experiment you can design? Can you break barriers? Like that was at the heart of what I thought science was. And unfortunately, just as important as that was whether or not I was a woman, whether or not I was white, whether or not I was tall even. <laughs> Just all of these things that I had no, I didn't even expect to, to be a part of, of this um, just became really important. And it just, you know, even though I had really difficult experiences, it really cemented in me this idea that even if we wanted to discover the most important thing in our lives, being able to work with each other as human beings was even more critical to our success. And if you really wanted to be the next Nobel Prize winner, you know, cure all of the cancers or even, you know, like find vaccines, we needed to be able to work better together. And so out of this, we sort of created the Unconscious Bias Project and we wanted to, you know, you mentioned evidence, we wanted to just really develop super tailored programs that were helping people address bias and unconscious bias. And initially we started in STEM, but it's really for any workplace or classroom. We wanted um, something that was grounded in evidence. You know, everything that we discuss in our, in our workshops and our programs are all grounded on, on real uh, tools that people have already tested. And then we also wanted to, to ground it in making it engaging and accessible and like easy to understand, also sliding scale priced and really recognizing a whole person. You'll, you'll see that unlike some of the other folks that are out there, we're not focused on exclusively one ism. We really think about intersectionality because I mean, look at both of us here, like we're not just women, right? We have other intersections to ourselves and that's the reality. Everything is, is messy. It's, 
it's it's humanity. That's that's who we are as people. And and that's what we really want to bring in our programs is recognizing the whole individual using these sort of really grounded and evidence tools. And then what our goal is, is no matter who you are, once you come out of any sort of program or engagement with us, you're really excited and empowered to make a change because, you know, it's one thing to recognize that, you know, maybe you've been a cog in this system of inequity, but it's quite another thing to say, yes, and I have agency. Yes, and I can take action. Yes, I can be you know, anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-transphobic. And it's not too much for me to do, right? It's very practical, very actionable within your grasp type of things that you can do tomorrow, that things that you can do on a personal level, things that you can do in your organization or your company, uh, policies that you can advocate for um, just within your group at the local level or even at the national level. And, and really sort of get an understanding of, of what, what are the changes we can make and, and that you can make them. And sort of from that, we really crafted our motto, which is 0% guilt trip, 100% empowerment. And the 0% guilt trip doesn't mean that you can't feel guilt around, you know, you might've, you might've messed up. Okay. Right. And you, you do have some to process there, but what we focus on is on making sure people feel empowered. They have the knowledge, they have the tools to go forward and really engage on this path. And yeah, that's me and UBP in a nutshell. I love it. I love that UBP focuses on a guilt-free approach because while yes, people may be doing something wrong, we don't want people to give up learning because it feels bad all the time. I see it a lot where there's less motivation to learn and be better because people are afraid to be canceled or called out. Someone actually just taught me a new term for it. Um, called in is what it's called. And I, I love that. Like, yes, people should be held accountable and should be should take a moment to humbly admit that they're wrong. But we should continue to motivate everyone to learn because it's super important for the end goal for all of us to learn and get better. And you know what? I'm motivated to learn more. And I would love if you could teach me a little bit more about unconscious bias. Can you tell me what unconscious bias means? Can you tell us what unconscious bias is for those of us who might not be aware? Yeah, of course. It's it's funny that you, you say for those people that who might not be aware. It's actually a term that there is a lot of discussion and dialogue about it right now in, in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And to, to put it really simply, if, if somebody says, okay, the place of a woman is in the kitchen, you know, that's sexist, right? That's an easy, like, okay, that is sexist. It, it's just, it's really clear. So unconscious bias could look like somebody that really cares and is maybe part like leading an organization that champions a woman's rights, right? But then they will call somebody who's a woman in leadership bossy, right? So that's like a, that's like a, a slight, like, hold on a second. Like it do, doesn't quite match up. It could be subtle. It could be really overt. But the idea is that somebody might be engaging in sort of perpetuating stereotypes or committing either an overt aggression or a microaggression without realizing the impact of their statement or how they're feeding into sort of these stereotypes, these problems. And so um, when we talk about unconscious bias, that's what we mean is we, we really think that a lot of people out there are not understanding their impact with their words or their actions. But unfortunately, the effect is the same as if it was overt. And where the, the controversy comes up in the field is that people worry that 
if you say, oh, well, it's unconscious, then like, well, it's not my fault, right? And then that, that's something that, that we make a distinction. You can recognize it, but then you, you have to do something about it, right? And it's not just like, well, I'm just going to let it sit there and say, oops, sorry, I'm just unco- it's unconscious, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like there are many unconscious bias-related issues more recently now towards East Asian Americans. Okay, maybe it isn't just recently, maybe it's been underlying for a long time, but it's really manifested to a series of related violent acts now. And I really think it started with unconscious fears surrounding COVID and mainly the media in our last president framing and blaming the disease on Chinese people and Asian people, you know, like Trump calling it the Kung flu or the Chinese virus instead of just COVID. I think some of these so-called harmless words really manifested into dangerous realities. I'm really glad you you pointed that out for a few different reasons. Um, but first, I do want to clarify that I 100% believe that Trump is racist. He's very <laughs> intentional. I don't think that was an unintended thing. I do think people picking up his idea of the Wuhan flu or the Chinese flu or whatever might have been unintentional. And I think maybe when some of what we're seeing are, you know, people looking at API with dis- disdain or like scooching further away from them, that is that that might be something unintentional if they're not like consciously recognizing, oh, this person, I don't know, looks Asian, so they probably are infected with the virus. If that's the thought process, then that's intentional uh, racism and xenophobia. But if it's like, oh, you see your neighbor and you're like, oh, I don't know, you sort of like move away from them, but you weren't thinking like, oh, they're Asian, so I must move away from them then that that would be sort of the, the unconscious on the unconscious level if you're sort of like continuing to propagate something harmful, um, but you don't you don't necessarily are aware that you're doing it. But yeah, I, I'm, I, the other thing I was going to say is I'm so glad you brought it up because that it was one of the reasons why we started our own podcast, actually, is um, we were really noticing that this was a problem and we wanted to give voice to, you know, people that were experiencing it, you know, Asians and Asian Americans. And we wanted to try to give people solutions based on, you know, trying to share some of our tools that we teach during our workshops, just putting it out in the public. And as reports were coming in of like worsened inequities and, you know, we, we just wanted to, to shine a light on that. That's why we started our, our podcast. Um, yeah. I've heard a couple episodes already and I'm excited to hear more. I think right now is like a really big, important time where people want to be talking and learning about this stuff. I know I do and I have honestly have a lot to learn. So um, can you tell me some examples or common mistakes people or I might make? The way we talk about stereotypes in our workshops is that, you know, a lot of the ways in which we act in biased ways, either intentionally or unintentionally, really stem from a lot of these stereotypes. So for example, so this is a professor in college. I, w- I went to college at Texas A&M University, but he, I took one of his, it was an introductory uh, sociology class. And one of the first things that he talked about was this positive stereotype on of Asian, of Asian people being good at math. And so the situation was, um, so he's a, a Latino professor and he um, studied statistics. That was his thing. And he was applying to the statistics job at Texas A&M University. And unbeknownst to him, there was a sociologist, an Asian uh, professor, a sociologist, um, who was applying for the sociology job. So he, so my Latin professor 
was given the sociology job and the sociology professor who's Asian was given the statistics job. Hello. <laughs> this is, you know, it literally infected careers. It, it was just really blatant racism is what that is, right? Like, it, you know, it, it really impacts people, you know, from, from the small things to the big things. You know, it took, um, Asians, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders as an example, but, um, it's the same with things that you see that sort of confirm stereotypes. So noticing, for example, um, that a lot of racial minorities have custodian jobs, you could then, you know, in your mind, just be constantly sort of associating, oh, Latina woman, she is a caretaker, she is a janitor, she is a, you know, she does the laundry or whatever. And you just sort of let that simmer. So what, what we try to teach people is like, Okay, notice that, then grab a hold of it and say, oh, look, I am, I am having this, this negative association of Latina women with childcare and with um, janitorial work, and I can choose to replace that. And there's so many different ways that you can tackle this. And one of my favorite ways is called the Obama effect. <laughs> so the example that we use is the Obama effect, but you just literally imagine somebody either from your life or from like a celebrity or a public figure that disrupts that stereotype. So like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for example, like she's a great example of a very successful Latina woman. And, and so you can choose to imagine her and that actually has been proven to over time help you like get rid of the effects of that stereotype. Um, it's something that you have to keep working on because we're, we're always surrounded by these stereotypes, right? Like the news doesn't let up, like TV shows, like even talking to other people, just even representation that we see sort of like the effects of, of racism and sexism, ageism, ableism are represented in the diversity of our workplaces and the diversity of our leaders. And so have, seeing that sort of lack of diversity reinforces those stereotypes, right? So if you don't see a lot of um, Latina women in leadership, then you don't imagine them as being potential leaders. But if you sort of continue to bring up those examples and actively seek those examples and actively, you know, search for stories and listen to them and what do we, we call it um, reshaping your media diet. So like tackling your media diet. So you can just, you can, you, knowing that your TV, your news, the blogs you read, even like the people you follow on Twitter are more likely going to reflect people like you than people different from you. And then actively seeking out like media that is not like you and blogs that are not like you and meeting people that are not like you and, you know, stepping out of that comfort zone and even just imagining in your head somebody who disrupts a stereotype that you don't fall into um, is going to help you go a long way in sort of being conscious about these things. And, and you'll see it less as like, oh, I just made another mistake. It's like, aha, this is something that happens because of my environment and I can choose to do something about it. So I would see it less as like, like, oh gosh, I made another mistake, but more of like, here's an opportunity for me to practice this. And, and you can do it the same with other people, right? So if somebody is like the example, like she's so bossy, you can immediately intervene and be like, um, I don't know, Hillary, Hillary Clinton was really bossy and I think she was a badass, right? Like, or replace a microaggression with a microaffection. Like, oh, she's not bossy. She's a leader. 
you know, or like you can question it. Like, well, how come you don't call guys bossy or come on, that's reinforcing a gender stereotype. You can do better than that. You know, there's like different ways that you can attack it without going into the cancel culture or feeling like, oh, I have to speak up right now. This is a really big deal, you know, so sorry, I got, I got on my sofa. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love all the steps that you laid out for us for someone who might feel that guilt or might have had unconscious biases. Like some of the things that you mentioned were the Obama effect, right? Questioning and what did you call it? Microaffirmation? Yeah. Replacing a a microaggression with a microaffection. So microaffection, that's what it is. I've never heard of that. I love that. I'm just learning new terms through this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It actually, yeah, Kat, our, our co-founder, found that one. And I was like, I've never heard of that before. That's fantastic. What are some other trainings and what are other things that you guys do? Or I should say y'all. I'm the worst at that, by the way. I say, <laughs> you guys, I say, dude, I say, bro, I need to be stopped. <laughs> but what all, what all do y'all do with the UBP? So just to address that, I was also really bad at at you guys. And it's taken me like, I think since, since I started UEP, so like five years now. So yeah, it's, it it took me a long time to stop myself and and now I'm, now I'm, I'm much better at it, but, um, but it, it just takes time, right? It's like, it's like any sort of habit you get into, you just have to break it yourself. But yes. So what else do we do? So right now we have really, I would call them like Three main offerings, really. One is our standard talk, which we call mini workshops because we actually have people practice at least one, maybe two of the tools for bias reduction. Um, That's either personal or interpersonal. And that's sort of, that's a really popular option, especially for people that are looking to sort of learn the basics and just get some terminology like under their belt to just start thinking about this stuff. Then sort of our our core service is really our workshops. So our core workshop is really giving you basically every single tool that we have in a super condensed, like information packed session that is still very much about active learning. So you do get to practice a personal bias reduction, how to intervene in moments of bias, um, what does it mean to be an active ally, and a little bit about either policy or power dynamics, depending on the client. And and so we we really tailor the the workshops so that they're relevant to people. So the examples that we give make sense for them. Because maybe you work at like a primarily black organization. So like maybe anti-black racism isn't a thing. But maybe colorism could be, or maybe it's uh, sexism, or maybe it's ableism or ageism, right? So we want to make sure that it makes sense to people and it speaks to their context. And we also do a lot of customized programs. That's what people really, really like us for. We do like a deep dive into our core work. That's like a three-part, two-hour each series. So you get really deep into what does bias look like, really deep into Let's practice each one of the personal reduction tools. You do like a little homework in between, a lot of reflection and discussion. Um, We have an entire workshop on leadership. We have an entire series on policy and building policy. And this year we are 
trying out our first sort of series of workshops and facilitation on developing a DEI strategy and helping people identify metrics for success. So that's been really exciting. Um, the other thing that we offer that's been new as of 2020 is we built a climate survey. And it's more than just, are you experiencing discrimination? Are you experiencing sexual harassment? It's unique in that um, we have a lot of spaces for people to enter their own free response. But we also ask things like, what is working for you? Like, what is what is making you excited to come to work? And we ask like all of the demographic questions like you can think of so that if we have a really large organization, we can break it down into all of the intersections. We can break it down so you know who is getting the brunt of the problems, who is experiencing the best, and then really like have a laser precision in the type of interventions that you're trying for your workplace. We also add qualitative interviews to our climate surveys, which is something that I don't, I've never heard anybody else doing so far. Please, more people do it because it's really valuable. So we do, we do all the data analysis stuff and we, we give the report and we give recommendations to, to our clients based on that. And then the last thing that we've offered actually also since 2020 is just one-on-one -on -one consultations because people have come to us with like one-offs. Like an, an a person in HR came to us and was like, you know, I let this other leader commit a microaggression against women during the meeting but it was in Zoom. It was early on in the pandemic. It was in Zoom and it was uncomfortable. And I didn't, I didn't address it because I, I wasn't sure she was new at, at her job. I was like, wasn't sure what I should, I should have said. And I never said anything. And I'm sure it was really bad. And I was like, well, take this opportunity. Like, it's never too late to say you're sorry and just reach out to the other people that were there. She was especially worried about the younger employees that were also women that were in this meeting. And so I was like, reach out to them, say like, you know, I've just kept on thinking about this and I wanted to, to say like, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't speak up and I'm going to talk to this person now. And then reach out to that person like, Hey, this thing that you did like so many months ago stuck with me. <laughs> and I thought we should talk about it because I don't want you to, to commit that same mistake again. And, you know, with other people. <laughs> You're making me want to reach out to all the people who have said something to me and I didn't speak up in the moment. Like, hey, it's been three years, remember me? Remember that one time at a Thai restaurant when you asked me what to order and I had no idea, like I'm not Thai? <laughs> so say a listener <laughs> might be learning about unconscious bias for the first time and they want to be more educated. They want to take actionable steps in becoming more conscious and mindful about these things. What are some key things that a listener can actively do? It depends. So... Some people, once they start figuring out, like, for example, um, I am a woman of color and I just found out that I'm probably misogynistic. It can happen. You can, you can be biased against your own in-group. Some people are ready to dive in and do some work. And so there's, there's lots of different ways you could do it. You can donate to groups that are actively, you know, working to disrupt the effects of, of that, you know, in this case, misogyny, um, you can buy from women, business owners, uh, women led groups. you if you're working on your personal work, um, like I mentioned earlier, you can take up media and, you know, listen from news sources and, 
and look for, for women's stories. You can, you know, do, do steps like, like I've been saying, like if you notice yourself having a stereotypical thought, immediately bring it up to the surface and address it in the moment. Start to, to speak up for, for other women. One of the things that we do, we do recommend is to be really open to learning. It's, it's a really critical part because it's very easy to say like, okay, I read a book. I read anti-racism books, so now I'm not racist. That is, that's not how it works, right? You have to practice. You have to continue your learning. So go and, and follow uh, Professor Kendi. Go and follow, you know, Professor Eberhardt. Like there are, there are people that are out there that are actively researching and studying this stuff. Go and learn from them. Go and listen from them. Go and seek and seek diverse voices. It's mostly like connecting with people. Um, obviously, we're always looking for folks to support our work. We are a nonprofit, so we do take donations. Um, but we're also looking for volunteers. We're expanding, and so so we need skills. We need knowledge. So um, if you want to volunteer, you can help us out. We we have a podcast, um, so you can definitely listen to our podcast. There's, there's lots of folks in the space. Actually, I think Oprah put out a list last year about um, podcasts to listen to, to help disrupt racism. You should check that out. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Tamarindo Podcast and Filipino Garage. These are both great podcasts that, that I recommend you follow. Uh, <laughs> what else could you do? Uh, yeah, speak up. You know, it, it's not about, okay, now I'm, I'm woke and now I'm going to go be the spokesperson for everybody. It's not quite like that. It's a little more subtle. Being a real ally means that you're, you're taking the other person into account. You're taking the other group into account. And so it's not about speaking for them. Like it's not about speaking up for Lynette. It's about, you know, have a conversation with Lynette, have a conversation with me about what are the things that affect me and engage me in the conversation of when is a good time to intervene? What are the things that you would like me to intervene on? Like, for example, I would prefer my ally, we call them bias buddies, my bias buddy um, speak up for me when it comes to stereotypes about Colombians. Like I am sick and tired of dealing with, hey, you know, what's up with the drug trade? Like, do you have any cocaine on you? I hate that. Like I really, it, it's super, like I'm already getting angry. Um, so like if, if you're my friend, you know that's a no. And so you can immediately call that out. So I can tell you that. But if it's about interruptions, for example, because women get interrupted the most out of any other group, um, especially women of color. If it's about interruptions, I'm actually pretty comfortable with that. So you can let me feel that. Or maybe we can have like a little, like a secret signal and I can be like, when I rub my chin, that's when you're gonna, you're like on the alert for what's happening, uh, right? So <laughs> so there, there's, there's many different ways. And I think my biggest recommendation is just start with something that feels accessible to you. I really see learning about uh, social justice, racial equity, you know, DEI work, inclusivity, allyship, as it should be fun, right? This is a long-term, we want this to be a long-term solution, not just like Black Lives Matter and now I have to be anti-racist for like a month. And it's Black History Month right now. So like we want this to be long-term, like engage in that learning long-term. And if it feels overwhelming to like, I want to tackle all the things, then just try, try one at a time, like try, try just the Obama effect for a few months. And then you're going to see that you're going to do it automatically and then add another thing. 
you know, it's, it's a constant process. It's, you're never really done. You know, we want it to be sustainable and engaging in the long term. So yeah, definitely reach out to us. We have lots of resources on our website, but yeah. Awesome. Bias buddies noted doing it. Before we leave off, I do want to drive home a point of learning about unconscious bias and actively working against it. Can you tell us what makes this so important, how this affects everybody? Can you give us the whole soapbox spiel? You know, it's, it's different for different groups, but let me just throw you some, some really depressing facts. Um, (laughs) I don't know why we both giggled at that. (laughs) It's like depressing. I know. (laughs) I know. We wrote like an entire article about it. I remember I read an article on, it got really popular on LinkedIn, and somebody was trying to quantify the impact on the U.S. economy for racism. And it was in the billions of dollars, billions of dollars lost every year to racism. Billions. Like, We could be solving our debt (laughs) in a couple of years if we just, just black, right? Just black, right? We're not even looking at intersections. We're not even looking at ableism, you know, ageism, nothing. Just, just based on racism against black people, opportunities lost. This is not just on businesses. It's not just on incarceration rates. This is including not giving people loans. Like there's this whole uh, this whole piece on how black farmers are being discriminated against by banking institutions that aren't giving them loans at the right time for them to be able to purchase the equipment and hire the people they need to get the crops they need. So we're losing black farmers because of that. You know, think about the, the people's lives that are lost um, in medicine. Like there's discrimination against... And black people, especially black women in the, just thinking about maternity, like the survival rates are so low for black women. It's, it's frightening. You know, it's, it's horrible. Just think about living your life every day with the fear of being shot just for being you. It's an unquantifiable, terrible thing. And so the effects of just just racism against black people is an astronomical dollar number. But if you think about the lives affected, the careers affected, the relationships affected, births affected, it's huge. And all it takes is just us being vocal. It's just learning a little bit, just trying a little bit more. Being honest when you mess up, because we're going to mess up, right? We've lived with this, you know, ingrained racism in history. We're like, oh, it's been forever. This is always the way it's been. It's actually pretty, re- it's just like a few, you know, hundred years. It's still a lot to for us to tackle, but it's, you know, humans decided to do it then and humans can decide to undo it now. So all it takes is that decision, that awareness It does take a little energy. It does take a little time. It does take learning. We will be uncomfortable with it, but hell, you know, if you're uncomfortable with life, like you're not really going to live it. So why not, why not give it a shot? Why not try 
and practice some anti-racism? Why not try and think twice before you say something that could be hurtful, right? It just takes like just a little bit. We can do it. I believe in you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. I think it's easy to say that it's just words and thoughts, but all of that manifests into billions of dollars, like you said, violence like we've talked about earlier and lives and careers crushed. So I so appreciate you teaching us about this and I'm grateful to have you here sharing the great work that you do in science and in changing minds. I mean, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Viv. It's been a it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I loved having you on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. For more information, head to our website at whatgivesproject.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.